I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to gather this morning to learn about more about you and your love. May your Holy Spirit be upon us, and ultimately, may we grow closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's Mother's Day weekend, and I would like to wish all of the mothers, aunts, grandmothers, cousins, sisters, babysitters, extended family, teachers, church family, friends, and all of the caretakers who have helped raise up a child. I wish you a day that starts with breakfast in bed, is filled with hugs and kisses, maybe a little bit of yoga and stretching to start out the day a mid-morning massage, flowers, chocolate, red velvet cake, a relaxing pedicure, a refreshing nap, time with your nose in a really good book. I actually uh, recently purchased two books I'm excited to read. The first one is called Captivating, and maybe you've read this book already, Unveiling the Mystery of a Woman's Soul, which I started. And the second book that I actually purchased is called, and I love this title, And Still She Laughs, Defiant Joy in the Depths of Suffering. And did I, and the, ver the verdict is still out because I haven't read them, but I'm looking forward to it. And did I say a massage? Ah, yes, that would be so lovely. Sounds like the perfect day to me. I would love to hear from you if you have an idea, maybe something I didn't share and that you're looking forward to doing tomorrow. Put it in the chat. We would love to hear it. And also for everyone else to see as well. Kids, partners out there in the virtual Zoom world, are you listening? May all the mothers be blessed abundantly today, tomorrow, and every day for all the love you've given and all the sacrifices you make. You deserve to be celebrated. It's a tough time to be a mother, and it's even tougher, tougher time to raise a child. 
Dr. Gil Noam, founder and director of the Pear Institute, Partners in Education and Resilience at McLean Hospital and Harvard Medical Center, Center, reported that although it has been estimated that youth and young adults have the lowest mortality rates from COVID-19, they're not immune to its consequences. Many kids across the country are dealing with so many changes to their social lives and daily routines, the inability to access education, food insecurity. And these changes are contributing to the rise uh, in feelings of sadness, anxiety, and stress. And parents who are juggling working from home with childcare and already dealing with their own stressors are having to stay on top of what their children might be experiencing in these uncertain times. The kids are listening to all that we're talking about when it comes to politics, social issues, racial injustice, injustice finances, trial verdicts, job security, fires, and natural disasters. And they're likely silently struggling to understand it all. It's no wonder the famous African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child, resonates with so many. These are trying times for all of us. And it really does take an entire community of people to raise a child to be resilient, healthy, and safe. So I would like to ask the entire community to check in with the mamas and anyone else you know who's responsible for a child. Ask how they're doing. One of the reasons why I love Advent Hope so much is because so many of you have contributed to the lives of so many of our children. I think about events like the Thanksgiving showcase where our children have the oppor wonderful opportunity to share art, their music, uh, spoken word, so much and it's so fun. And so many of you showed up to hear them by your attendance, praise and support. And not that I represent all of the mothers at Advent Hope, but we truly appreciate you. So my question to all of you is this, how do we stay connected, present and resilient during these uncertain times? I'm not just talking about whether you're wearing your mask or staying six feet apart from one another or whether you've been vaccinated or not. What do you do when your cup is half empty? When you crave sunshine, feel thirsty, are hungry for nourishment and love? What happens when you feel the opposite of prosperous? Let's dive into the book of John chapter 15 verses one through eight. Now I first wanna provide you with some context for this chapter. The disciples had just shared in the Passover supper with Jesus. He washed their feet and began to describe the events that would lead up to the crucifixion. Jesus knew his time was short, and so he brought them together to share his last words and how he wanted them to live out their lives. He wanted to comfort them and prepare them for his coming death. And most importantly, he wanted to inform them of how to remain in connection with him long after he was gone. 
In those last few moments with the disciples, Jesus knew that what he would be sharing would have lasting implications, not only for the disciples, but for all of us. And so I don't know about you, but it's my best guess that his last message to the disciples was probably one of the most important and significant in all the Bible. What would you share if you knew that you only had a few more moments to live on this earth? I asked myself that same question and I immediately thought about how I would want to speak and see those I loved the most. Prior to the pandemic, Alex, Isabella, and I went on a lovely family vacation and everything seemed perfect. But on our flight back to New York City, we experienced a great deal of turbulence. And these kinds of flights are never any fun for me. My family will tell you that I almost always feel dizzy, develop a headache, start sweating, experience nausea, and I almost always want to vomit. I know, gross, I know. But on this particular flight, it didn't end there. The pilot asked everyone to take their seats, including the flight attendants. And while I know that it's not out of the ordinary for a pilot to make such a request uh, when there is turbulence, but on this flight, something just seemed very wrong. The flight attendants quickly huddled together in a way that I hadn't really observed before and then quickly went back and into their seats. And that's when suddenly the plane dropped and it felt like it had fallen like a hundred feet in about 10 seconds and my stomach felt like it was in my head. Everyone either began to scream or became really anxious and unsettled. I sat there and immediately grabbed Isabella's hand and looked at Alex seeking assurance that we were going to be okay. But then the plane dropped again and that's when I went from feeling anxious to feeling terror. And at that moment, I wondered, are we, are we gonna make it? Is this it? Is this how it's going to end for us? It obviously wasn't our time since I'm here speaking to all of you, but in that moment when I thought that our lives might be over, I thought about everyone I loved. And I would imagine that that's what it might've been like for Jesus. He knew his life would be ending soon. And so what did he do? He chose to spend it with his, he, he chose to spend his precious last moments with his disciples and shared an important message with them because he loved them and because he loves us. And so now let's reflect now on what he shared. Let's begin with the book of John chapter 15, verse one. Verse one states, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Jesus makes clear here that his connection to the father is essential and that he relies on God's authority for everything. As the gardener, God rules over the vine and the branches. And the true vine represents Jesus, the fruit's vital life source. I have a branch here. I'm gonna, hopefully you all can see that, that I cut off from a tree. Um, 
just as an example. At first, right, as you can see here, the branch looks fresh and healthy, full of life, nice and green. But we all know that if you were to check back with me in a few days, you'd start noticing that it was getting brown on the edges and a bit wilted and dry and lacking life. And why is that? Because when it was cut, it was cut from its life source. When Jesus stated, I am the true vine, he was trying to help us understand the value of being connected to him by faith. Let's go to verse two. It reads, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. The branches in this verse represent the disciples and ultimately you and me. As some of you know, I love flowers and plants and my apartment, as you can see here next to me and behind me, is just, it looks like a greenhouse, like it, there are plants everywhere. And I love plants and have them here because we get a lot of light and the plants help create a calming effect. But my favorite flower of all is the orchid. I have three of them in my apartment and I've learned after each bloom that once the flowers fall, they require a bit of pruning, which ultimately allows new branches to grow. Now, I've pruned my orchids and I've got to say that sometimes I'm like, oh my goodness, did I do that too much or did I kill this plant or whatever? But I've learned through the years that soon enough, they bloom again. In verse two, we also learn that Jesus is actively pruning aspects of our lives so that we can continue to bloom and bear fruit. Pruning is not a punishment, even though it might feel like it at times. I totally get it. When prayers go unanswered, it's normal to wonder if God is even listening. Family life, kids, friendship, dating or not dating, finances, our mental health, our physical health, job security, the right school, food, finding a home or an apartment, personal safety. There are so many things we pray for, yet sometimes despite our earnest pleas, things remain unchanged. Perhaps you've made a prayer request and are still waiting for a response. Or perhaps you've received one and are not ready to accept that you've gotten your answer. The silence you experience or the response you've received may just be the result of God actively pruning in your life. Sometimes it will be easier to endure and other times it might be really painful. Pruning might involve removing people from your life being passed up for a new job or promotion, a canceled travel opportunity, the ending of a romantic relationship, or no dating prospects at all. When I was in second grade, I had the biggest crush on Anthony Master Giovanni. Oh man, was he cute. I was so head over heels for him that I just knew at the time he was going to be the love of my life. So much that I would even practice writing down what my name would look like when I married him. Mrs. Annette Santiago 
Master Giovanni. I thought it sounded perfect. Has anybody else ever done that? I even remember praying for Anthony because I was convinced he would be my husband one day. But needless to say, I learned that he didn't like me in the same way and I was crushed. I found out he liked Stacy Lane better. It was the first time my heart felt broken. And at the time, I wondered why my prayer had not been answered. And then that's when I learned about the concept of faith, thanks to my mom, who always knew how to comfort my heart when I needed it the most. Whether it was way back in second grade or just last week, have you ever prayed for something and then thanked God 10 times over not for giving it to you? Yeah, me too. I really like how Annette Santiago España sounds. Pruning isn't comfortable, but it's a necessary part of following Jesus. It's his way of keeping us focused and on track. No prayer request is too small or too big for Jesus, but timing is everything. Ecclesiastes 3.1 reads, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Hang in there. God is listening and he knows your heart. Verse three, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. God's word is filled with love and promises. And as long as we hold on to those promises, we can confidently live in the security of those promises. What we learn here is that we are clean when we lean in to God's word, study his word, maintain an open and consistent relationship with him. Because when we do, we will experience hope and trials and a joy that could never be taken away from us. Hebrews 10.23 reads, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Verse 4 to 6. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Similar to verses one and two, Jesus reiterates the importance of a continued connection and relationship with him. But what's so critical in this passage in particular is that Jesus emphasized free will. Abiding was something that the disciples had to choose. And the decision is ours as to whether we choose to maintain a connection with him. And remaining is not simply just about believing in Jesus, but also about being in union with him, sharing his thoughts, his emotions, and his intentions. John Mordecai Gottman is an American psychological researcher and clinician, and is one of the most influential researchers in the area of couples therapy. 
With over 40 years of research on over 3,000 couples, he and his team have accomplished the most extensive study ever done on marital stability and divorce prediction. Research done in his love lab involves interviewing couples while they are being physiologically monitored for heartbeat, perspiration, blood pressure, etc. Gottman can tell with high accuracy based on his research, 95% if couples will divorce after watching them for an hour. After 15 minutes, he can tell with 90% accuracy. Here are the things that Dr. Gottman looks for in a healthy relationship. Knowing each other well, working to like each other, acknowledging and reassuring each other, actively doing so, taking spouses' opinions into account, solving solvable problems, accepting irresolvable conflicts, and having shared meaning. This includes work, commitments, values, religious involvement, friendships, family. So research shows that couples will last longer if their lives are, if they are spent building a shared world. In our relationship with Jesus, and as in any loving, committed relationship, the only way in which it can truly work is if both do their part together. It cannot be one-sided. We remain most connected to Jesus when our lives are completely interwoven with his. Verses 7 to 8. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Paul the apostle taught extensively on fruit bearing. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 reads, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. And so there you have it. Jesus is seeking a personal relationship with each of us. When you feel tired, frustrated, and far from prosperous, seek strength and purpose through a close relationship with him because this connection is essential to our fruitfulness and our destiny. So how do we remain present and connected to God's word and love? Perhaps you might consider some of these ideas. Quality time. If there was ever a silver lining um, about this pandemic, it's that for the most part, we've had a little bit more time than we normally do. Less commuting means more time at home for some of us. And so when you have extra time on your hands, how do you typically choose to use it? And who do you choose to spend it with? In order to build trust and memories with someone in your life, you actually have to spend time with them. Be intentional about spending time with Jesus and the people you love because doing so will likely lift your spirits and give you energy. Switch it up and get creative. Devotionals don't always have to happen first thing in the morning. 
especially when you've got breakfast to make and places to run off to. If you don't get to it first thing, it doesn't mean that God is not a priority in your life. Time spent with Jesus can happen any time of day, morning break at work, when you're, when you're free from distraction, or it could be late into the evening after the children have gone to bed. And don't get down on yourself if you miss a day. God is always there waiting to spend time with you. He forgives our imperfections and our tendency to not live perfectly. He knows that we don't have all of our priorities in order all the time. We are imperfect, and he knows it. Shannon Alder, who's a best-selling author, some of you may have heard of her, and she's a life coach as well. I think she says it best when she says, there is no perfection, only beautiful versions of brokenness. Say thank you. When is the last time you said thank you to someone you truly value? All right, we're gonna do something here. I'm going to ask you to do, to pick up your phone right now. I know, when's the last time you were told to pick up your phone during a sermon? Well, I'm asking you now. Now, go to your contacts and pick someone who you would like to say thank you to right now. Don't think about it too much. Scroll through your contacts. Whoever's the first to come to mind, pick them. And just, and I have my phone here too, and just send the text right now. It doesn't have to be lengthy. A text that simply says, I miss you, I appreciate you, and thank you for being in my life will suffice. I'm gonna go and send one right now. And I hope you're sending yours. Set a daily reminder to thank God too. Do any of you set a daily reminder yourself for yourself? Trending reminders are ones that remind you to drink some water or take your eyes off the screen. If you have an iPhone, it will even remind you to get up and walk. I have a Calm app that reminds me to take a deep breath throughout the day. Set a daily reminder on your phone that prompts you to thank God for what you're doing right now at this moment. It could be at 3 a.m. or at that moment. It could be at 10 a.m. or 3 p.m. or 11 p.m. I know I set reminders on my phone for all kinds of things that are important to me. Why not pick a specific ringtone that reminds us to thank God? Meet an inspiring friend. Make lunch plans or a coffee date with a friend that asks the tough questions, who dives deep and who speaks the truth. Someone you know who will challenge you when you feel pruned and small and inadequate and who will celebrate with you when you are at peak bloom. How blessed are we for what Jesus shared in John 15. When he shared this message, it wasn't only for the disciples in that moment, but for all of us. The pruning isn't easy. But the bloom is so beautiful. He had you and me in mind on that very day in Jerusalem as he and his disciples walked along the vineyards. John 14, 27 reads, The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. 
And so in a world filled with so much conflict, how do we remain peaceful? Jesus says, remain in me. Amen. Thank you.